Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap for praise. How many of you thank God for his word? His word is a, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And now we come uh, to the moment of the preaching of uh, the word. And how many of you know we need a word from the Lord? Oh, yes, we do. We need a word uh, from the Lord. And so uh, let's pray and then we'll get right into uh, what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us, his people, on today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for another opportunity to gather in this place to hear a word from you. Uh, we're so glad, oh God, that last night wasn't our last night. Today is a new day, another opportunity to enjoy life, to evangelize the lost, and to glorify you, our great God. Holy Spirit, we pray, have your way in this place. Our desire is not to leave here the same way that we have come. We say, Holy Spirit, be the great teacher in our midst on today. Share a general word that will be shared with your people and allow it to meet each and every one of us at our point of need. And we pray as usual, O oh God, comfort the afflicted, afflict the comfortable. Allow the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And let the people of God say, amen and amen. Uh, well, my name is uh, Pastor Phil Carr, and of course I know many of you, although I do uh, see quite a few uh, new faces, and that's a good thing because uh, that means that something exciting is happening at Kingdom Interest. Amen. And of course, uh, we thank God uh, for uh, Pastor Arthur Duran, right? A great man of God. God has given you a great leader. And uh, First Lady Ardina, uh, we thank God for her as well. And of course, I always get excited uh, when I have an opportunity to speak here at Kingdom Embassy. I feel like you guys are a second home for me, and so it's so good to see you again on today. Uh, some of you may remember I was trying to uh, recount my last appearance. I don't know if it was four or five months ago. It may have been, uh, but I do remember that the last time that I came, uh, I introduced a, a message that was uh, very important to me and I think very much needed uh, for the people of God in, in this season. Do any of you remember that trust in God, trusting in God? Yeah, yeah that's what I talked about uh, the last time, trusting in God. And I want to continue that. There's more to say about trusting in God, amen? And so I want to go a little bit deeper uh, on that topic uh, on today because I believe that that's the most important thing that we can embrace today as the people of God, and that is to trust in God. I believe that if you were to ask God, God, what's the number one thing that you want me to do? I believe that his response would be, my son, my daughter, I want you to trust in me. I know things look crazy. In fact, for many of you, you say, no, they don't look crazy. They are crazy, right? You got all kind of stuff going on in the world around us. 
that is crazy. And many of you in your personal lives, in your family lives, in your workplace, you got questionable things happening all around you. And sometimes, get this now, you can't help but to pause and think, Lord, what's going on? With all of the crazy stuff that's going on uh, in our world, Lord, Lord, what's going on? And Lord, what is it that we should do to be able to bring glory to you and to be able to bring good to mankind? Uh, what can we do? And I believe that the answer is simply and profoundly, we need to finally trust in God. Look here, many of us say we trust in God, but if we were to be honest, do we really trust in God? And let me say this, trusting in God is the answer not only for the old and the middle age, but also for the young. We all have to learn how to put our trust in God. And so I titled the series, as you can see on the PowerPoint there, Building a Strong Foundation of Trust in God. And here's what God is saying to us today. I want you to have a high level, all in trust in me. If you want your marriage to work, if you want your children to act like they got some good sense, I need you to trust in me. If you want me to use you as my servant to bring change and to bring transformation to this world, you're going to have to trust in me. And so God is looking for a high level, all in uh, trust in him. And so I want to talk about uh, that on today. Next slide. If you remember from uh, the last time, uh, what I did was I gave a definition of trust. And then I gave you some developers of trust. And so the definition was this. I used the word trust, if you remember, as an acronym. And here's what uh, trusting God means biblically. It means totally relying upon scriptural truth. That's what it means to trust in God. Here's the idea. God says it. I believe it. That's trust. Uh, not just when you're in church, but in the context of your uh, entire life, what we got to learn how to do, get this, is put things in the hands of God, totally relying on scriptural truth. And if you can see the slide there, again, not scientific truth, not social truth. What about this one? Not self-truth. You know how we like to say my truth? That's not my truth. Well, God doesn't care about your truth. What God cares about is his truth, which is detailed in the word of God. I don't know if you figured it out yet, but you can't trust your truth. Your truth that got you into a lot of trouble. <laughs> your truth caused you to pick the wrong spouse. Your truth. Oh, no, I want tall, dark, and handsome. I, I need it with a little flavor, God. <laughs> and so again... Uh, trusting in God means totally relying upon scriptural truth. That's the best definition. Uh, allowing his word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Next slide. And so last time I gave you a definition of truth, but then I gave you this, the developers of truth, right? Here, here's the idea. Uh, we all can do better, we all can go higher, and we all can be greater when it comes to trusting God. Am I right? 
Has anybody arrived? No, no, no. And even if you're doing pretty decent, which most of us not, there is still a next level. And so a part of what we have to do is say, God, I love you, and God, I want to be used by you, and I know that I got to learn how to trust in you, so, oh, God, I need you to lead the way. Get this. I need you to show me how to take my trust from where it's at to where it needs to be. Anybody want to go to the next level in your trust in God? And so I recommended these five things to you. I call them the developers of trust, right? The T is true thankfulness. The R is righteous reasoning. The U is unusual understanding. The S is strong supplication. And then the T is total triumph. That's how you build your trust. And that's how you build a strong foundation of trust in God, practically speaking. God is there to help you, but how many of you know you got to do your part? You got to do your part when it comes to trusting in God. Next slide. And so today, what I want to do is take a look at that first development, true thanksgiving. And if you invite me back, maybe I'll deal with those other ones. But today I want to talk about the role that true thanksgiving plays in helping us to develop our trust in God. One of the interesting things God showed me profound really recently about trust, right? A great insight in terms of trust. I started thinking back on my parenting, right? And uh, God has given me six children, right? And so when I think back on that experience, uh, one of the things uh, that was interesting to me is that my children struggled at times with trusting me as their parent, right? And then there were other times where they did better at trusting me uh, as their parent. And one of the things that stood out to me, get this now, is that the seasons where they did better with trusting me were the seasons when they felt thankful for me as a parent. That there is this connection between true thankfulness and trust. And that one of the reasons why most children don't trust their parents is because, sadly, they're not truly thankful for their parents, right? If some of the kids were to be honest, they want to they wanna trade you in, parent, for another parent. <laughs> uh, but that's okay, because some of you parents want to trade them in for another child as well, right? In fact, some of you saying, I'll give you two of mine for one of yours, <laughs> But the point is, is that there is this interesting connection between thanksgiving and trust, right? And, and here's the thing, it's not that children shouldn't trust their parents, because most of you are doing a good job. In fact, many kids think that they do trust you. In fact, my kids used to tell me, I'd say, you don't trust me, and they'll go, yes, I do trust you. And i say, no, you don't. And then i say, you're not thankful for me. And they say, yes, I am thankful. Uh, for you. And I said, you could have fooled me, right? Because it didn't look like thankfulness, right? And so they thought that they were thankful, but they wasn't really thankful. What's my point? Here's my point, that the same is the truth spiritually speaking, that we are the children of God, and that we have a heavenly Father who says, trust in me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And many of you, like your children, are saying, God, I do trust you. 
And God is saying, you could have fooled me. And many of us saying, Lord, I am thankful for you. I am thankful for you. And God is saying, well, why are you complaining so much if you're thankful for me? And so at some point, here's the reality. If we're going to trust in God with all our heart, we got to learn how to truly be thankful. True thankfulness. Not the fake stuff that people can see through. Right? But we got to learn how to be truly thankful. And that's what I want to talk about uh, with my time that I have remaining. Next slide. Here's a few verses that speak to this idea of true thankfulness. James 1, 2, and 3. Says, my brother, count it all joy. There go that word. That's that cold word for thankfulness. You say, you say, well, am I truly thankful for God? But then I say, do you count it all joy? Do you count all things joy? See, that's what it means to be thankful, right? Count it all joy when you fall into diver temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work in patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect in entire wanting. Nothing. Uh, I love uh, 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 verse, uh, there's a verse in Acts 5.41 that's real interesting. The apostles, the 12 uh, disciples of Jesus, they were uh, sharing the gospel and as a result of it, uh, they found themselves in jail and beaten and before the Sanhedrin, right? Because they were sharing the gospel. They was doing the work of God. And then when they were released, I love what it says because it speaks to this idea of true thankfulness. It says they left that situation, get this now, rejoicing that they was counted worthy to suffer for God. They, they got thrown in jail. They got beat, right? For something they didn't do. They didn't do anything wrong. And they left what? Rejoicing. That go another word for thankfulness. You say, you say well, if I'm truly thankful, what am I going to do? Number one, you're going to be counting it all joy. And then number two, you're going to be rejoicing that you was counted, what do you mean counted worthy to suffer? Anybody want to be counted worthy to suffer? That's what it means to be thankful. See, when you're really thankful, when you're truly thankful, here's what you say. Here's what your attitude reflects. Lord, whatever you would have me to go through, I'll go through. Lord, whatever you would have me to do, I will do. Right? And here's the reason. Here's the reason. Talking about trust, you say, well, how do I get to the place where I trust in God with all my heart? Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for the good. For those who love the Lord and for those who are called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Have you embraced that? Do you live in the light of that? That all things, and somebody help me out, all things mean what? All things. means everything. I, I get to the place where I trust God so much that even, I, even though I got fired from my job, it's going to work together for my good. Right? Uh, even, though, even though I just got my divorce papers, it's going to work together for my good. Right? And some of you saying, I know that's going to work together for my good. I've been waiting on them papers anyway. <laughs> but I'm not talking about that. I'm saying for those of you who truly regret it, it's going to work together for your good. When you get a bad doctor's report, that too will work together for the good. Come what may, because you're a child of God, I trust that it's going to work together for my good. And some of us say, I can't see it. Well, that's why they call it trust. Faith is the substance of things hoped for 
And it's the evidence of things not seen. You don't have to see it. Why? Because you trust it. You trust him, and so that's enough. Can anybody say that's enough? That's enough. Next slide. So here's what I want to do real quickly with the time that I have remaining. I want to give you a little background, a little background, say background, on true thanksgiving. And then I want to give you some barriers, a few barriers to your true thankfulness, because here's the thing. Uh, there's some things that's getting in the way of your thankfulness, and if you're going to take it to the next level, you need to know what they are so that you can what? Address them. So I'm going to give you a little background. I'm going to give you some barriers. And then I'm going to conclude on a practical note. And I'm going to give you some builders of true thankfulness. Does that sound good? All right. Background. The background of true thankfulness. Key observation. Number one, thankfulness is an attitude that is heavily influ that heavily influences our acts. It's an attitude. Thankfulness is an attitude. Uh, I can interact with people, and, and I can know whether they're thankful or not. I don't even have to follow them around. All I got to do is look at their attitude. See, some of us, we don't have a thankful attitude, right? We have a regretful attitude. We got a victim attitude. Why they always picking on me? Why it always got to happen to me, right? If that's you, guess what that's an indication of? You're not thankful. See, a thankful attitude says, all I deserve is death, hell, and the grave. Anything I get, I owe to God. And, and Lord, get this, Lord, I'm thankful for whatever you give me. Whatever you give me, God, I am thankful. It's an attitude that influences your actions. Here's my point. If you want to get the actions right, what you got to get right first? The attitude, okay? Here's the second observation that I want to make. Most of us confuse, get this now, basic thankfulness with biblical thankfulness. There is a difference. Basic thankfulness, biblical thankfulness. Here's what basic thankfulness is. That if something good happens to you, then you're thankful. That's basic thankfulness, right? Here's the interesting thing. Most of us don't even have basic thankfulness. People bless you and you're not thankful. Good things happen to you and you're not thankful. You don't even have basic thankfulness. Your, uh, your, your parents buy you Jordans and you're not thankful. They buy you an expensive game system and you're not as thankful. Not truly thankful like you should have been. They buy you clothes, food on your table, clothes on your back, and you're not thankful. We're going to talk about the reason why in a minute. That's basic thankfulness. Biblical thankfulness is whatever situation you find yourself in, you're thankful. Let me share a secret with you. That if you, boy, if you get this, it's going to help your thankfulness a lot. Not only do you need to thank God for what he has given you, right? But you need to thank God for what he saved you from. There's a whole lot of things that could have happened. Do you realize how many car accidents you should have been in? But God? Do you remember how many times you was on the verge of losing your mind and you got close to the edge, but you didn't? But God? Do you remember how many times you were somewhere you shouldn't have been with somebody you shouldn't have been with doing something you shouldn't have been doing? And God got you out of it. <laughs> 
And so you ought to be what? Thankful. Thankful. Biblical thankfulness. And then uh, number three, we can all use some improvement in the area of thankfulness. And the church said, we can. We all can use some improvement. Because here's the thing. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. And if I had 10,000 tons, I couldn't thank him enough. Right? All that God has done for you, what you're aware of and what you're not aware of is incorrect. And so we all can do better. We all can do better. Next slide. So, so I want to talk about how we can do better. Number one, I want to give you the busters or the barriers. And then number two, I want to give you some builders. But let's start with this whole idea of what's getting in our way. Why is it that we're not as thankful as we should be, which would then allow us to trust God the way that we should. Again, the idea is if I want my trust in God to go up, I need my thankfulness for God to go up. Does that make sense? All right, so let me give you three real quickly. Buster number one is the big ego. Some of us allow our big egos to get in the way of our thankfulness. Here's the thing. Some in our culture suffer from Alzheimer's. And then some of us suffer from big time. Right? Your ego. Some of us, here's the idea. Some of us think more highly of ourselves than we are. We think we're cuter than we really are. We think we're smarter than we really are. And we got, uh, and it's, it's, it's not unique to any one person. We all got that human ego that we need to keep under control. Right? And so many of us, if, if you're not careful, you will let your stubbornness to get in the way. You will let your haughtiness to get in the way. I deserve better than him. I deserve better than her. Uh, I should have had that job. Anybody ever had that experience before? They passed out a promotion on your job, and you was like, that job should have been mine. And they gave it to somebody. You've been there longer than them. You're smarter than them and all that kind of stuff, but you didn't get it, and the reason you didn't get it is because God didn't have it for you. If he had it for you, you would have got it. And we blame it on the devil as if the devil is bigger than God. I mean, you know that when the devil and God get into a battle, God always wins. So don't let your ego get in the way. Like King Saul, I mean, you remember King Saul in the Bible, right? He was the first king of Israel. And King David, who should have been the first, was the second king of Israel, and he was Saul's general. And he was a really good general, and he was a really faithful general, but Saul messed up because he heard the people singing the song, and he didn't like the song. Some of us he hear people saying statements that we don't like because of our ego, right? Here's the song. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. Saul got jealous and Saul got mad and his ego got in the way. And then he started to try to kill David and messed up his whole kingship because of his what? Big ego. That's number one. Some of us allow our big ego to get in the way. and We got to keep it under control. And that's the reason why we struggle with trusting God and being thankful. Number two, bold entitlement. Some of us struggle with bold entitlement. Here's the idea. Our entitlement spirit uh, can prevent us from seeing our undeserving blessings. Much of what we have in life, newsflash, much of what you have is the product of God's grace. 
This guy's great. But we have this bold entitlement. We love to say, I deserve better. We like to talk about what we deserve. And let me tell you, folks, that's a dangerous thing. You don't want to talk about what you deserve because what we deserve is death, hell, and the grave because of our fallen nature, because of our sin, because of how much we mess up. That's what we deserve. But because of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, you have what you have. You have the job that you have. You have the promotion that you have. It's not the degrees. It's not the degrees. Thank God you went to school and you got your degrees. I'm Dr. Phil Carr, you know. And, uh, but no, that's not what it is. It's the grace of God. And we got to get rid of this entitlement spirit because it gets in the way of our thankfulness. Anybody ever have this? You ever had this happen to you? Somebody congratulating and they say, you deserve it. Oh, you deserve it. And I always find myself uh, feeling, no, I don't. Not really. I don't, it, this is the goodness of God. I'm not entitled to anything. And parents, we got to we got to deal with that entitlement spirit in our children when they're young. We got to teach them. You don't deserve nothing. You better be happy you're alive. You better be happy you made it out of the womb. Do you know how this thing works? There's all these sperms and they race for the egg and only one of them get there. You better be happy you won that race. <laughs> now, Everything else in life, guess what? It's a race. And you ran that race, get this, through God's grace. Entitlement. And then number three, I'm talking about the barriers, the things that get in the way of our thankfulness. Boy, if we could deal with our ego, we'd be so much more thankful. If we can deal with the entitlement spirit, we can be so much more thankful. Third one is bad expectations. See, we expect things. We're not as thankful for God as we should because we expect stuff from God that we should. Right? We expect God. Uh, we want to always win. Right? We want to always get the guy or get the girl. And some of you, I, I know you've done it because I've been at this thing for 40 years. You're looking, at some, you're looking at some other sister and she got a good man. You're like, Lord, how did she get it? How did she get it? Here you struggling, and you going to church, you paying your tithes, and you doing all that, and, uh, and she living a different kind of life, and she got the man that you want, and for some reason, you expect God to give them to you, and maybe God will, maybe he won't, and maybe it's got something to do with you, or get this, maybe he's saving you for something. Have you ever thought about that? Right? And so we have bad expectations. We, we expect God to take us through life and we don't have to experience anything good. Right? That's what we expect. And you got to be careful what preachers you, 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 you listen to, right? Because there's some preachers out there say everybody's supposed to be wealthy. Everybody's supposed to be healthy. All you got to do is decree it and declare it. And that's not the word of God. And so you got to get your expectations right. For example, Philippians 1, 20, uh, 29, some people don't even know this is in the Bible. It says this. It says this. It says, God has not only called you to believe on his name, but to suffer for his sake. When you signed up for this Jesus thing, was you expecting to suffer? 
Most of us, what? We was already suffering, so we thought, boy, once I had Jesus, I don't have to suffer no more. <laughs> no, you got it wrong, because guess what? Jesus died on the cross. Jesus suffered for our sins. Suffering is a part of the deal. Don't run from suffering. Put on the suffering. Put on the suffering. As long as you're suffering for Christ, now it's different if you're suffering because you're making bonehead decisions that God told you not to do. That's different. All right, next slide. Now, I'm going to conclude. I'm going to give you three buildings, three things that will work, I believe, take our thankfulness to the next level. I'm so excited. I want to be thankful. I want to wake up every, th every day with a joyful heart and a thankful spirit. Amen. Every day I wake up, I say, I, the, the first thing I say is, thank you, Lord, that last night wasn't my last night. And every time now, for the last two years, every time somebody asks me, how you doing? I'm doing marvelous. I'm doing good. And I always tell them, last night wasn't my last night. They go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Isn't that something to be thankful for? You know how many people died just last night? Laid down, didn't get back up. Right? All right, let me go real, real quickly here. Uh, three things, three things that will take your thankfulness to the, the next level. The first thing you got to do is you got to pray thankfulness. You got to pray. Say pray. You got to pray thankfulness. Everyone will have moments in life where they will struggle with their trust. Everyone. How many of you know this trust thing is easier said than done? And so you're going to have your moments, but don't let it become a lifestyle. And when you have those moments, here's what you got to do, folks. You got to pray your way through. You got to pray your way through those difficult moments. Remember the father who said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief in the Bible. Lord, I trust, but help my untrust. He was praying his way through. And you got to push, you got to pray until something happens. You got to pray your way through when you're struggling and trust. Because here's the deal. You know you're supposed to be trusting God, don't you? That's no mystery. I got up here. I said, I'm going to preach about trusting in God. That was no mystery to any of us, was it? We just ain't figured out how to do it. You say, well, how do you do it, preacher? But number one, you got to pray. Thankfulness. You got to pray, Lord, make me a thankful servant. Uh, a couple of Sundays ago, uh, I was at a conference in Jacksonville, Florida, with Pastor Arthur and uh, First Lady Ardina, we was at a conference in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, I got to take my wife uh, with me. We were so excited just going on this trip together, a whole week together. And uh, on the ride from Atlanta to Jacksonville, we ran into a storm. And so there was a storm that was going through the Jacksonville airport. And uh, I kid you not, we, we had a near-life death experience. I'm telling you, that plane almost went down. It was doing somersaults. It was going up and down and side to side. At one point, it felt like it was on, on its side. And guess what? That went on for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And then, and then we had to try not to go down, and so we, we went up high below the storm. We were circling the airport, waiting for the plane to go down. And then the pilot came on the intercom and said, well, we might have to take you to uh, Myrtle Beach, Florida, Daytona Beach, Florida. 
right? And he said, because the field is about to run out. <laughs> and so my wife, she began to call on the name of Jesus. She began to what? Pray. Because we was in a situation, make no mistake about it, we had to trust in God. I wanted to get off that plane, but there was nowhere to go. So she started to pray, and folks, she played. She prayed long, and she prayed loud. And uh, I told her, I joked with her, I think at one point she was praying in tongues. And I said, boy, this is a situation where we need some tongues. And she prayed, and eventually that plane stabilized, and we were able to land, and I can't tell you how many people say, was that you praying? Thank you for that prayer. She prayed her way through, and she prayed some other folk through. We got we to gotta pray thankfulness. Number two, next slide. We got to pray thankfulness. We're going to take our thankfulness to the next level. We got to pray and pray and pray. But number two, we got to preach thankfulness. We got to preach it. Uh, we must continually challenge ourselves to be thankful for whatever God chooses to give us. We must avoid comparing what we do and don't have to others, right? We need to, look here, let me give you a homework assignment. I, I want you to go home, and I want you to look in the mirror. Uh, let, let me model it for you, me. I'm going to say, Phil, you need to get yourself together, and you need to be thankful and you need to stop complaining, and you need to stop worrying. And I got to preach to myself. I got to preach thankfulness to myself. Here's what I got to say to myself like David. This is the day that the Lord has made. And what? I will rejoice and be glad. I, I, I got to look in the mirror, and I got to say to myself in those difficult moments, you will live and not die and give God the glory. And I got to preach to myself until I got to preach myself happy. I got to preach to myself until the joy of the Lord rises up on the inside of me. And other folks say, what you so happy about? Because God is good all the time. Well, what did God do? It's too much to tell. It's too many to number. You got to preach to yourself, folks. I'm a preacher. What I look like not preaching to myself before I preach to you. We got to pray thankfulness, one. We got to preach thankfulness, two. And then here's the final thing. We got to practice thankfulness. We, we, we got to work at it, and we got to work on it constantly. See, part of the problem is, let's be honest, most of us ain't even working at it. We ain't trying to practice thankfulness. We, we ain't trying to look for a reason to be thankful. We're not trying to remind ourselves to be thankful. See, here's what we need to do. In that moment and stuff is happening in the midst of life and you start having a bad attitude, you need to zoop, stop yourself in your tracks and say, now, wait a minute now, Phil. We need to be thankful. This is not the right attitude. God is too good to be hearing my complaints. It's one thing to share your concerns with God. You can do that. But when you complain, like he giving you less than you deserve, you need to stop yourself in your tracks and you need to what? You need to practice thankfulness. You need to wake up and say, Lord, I'm thankful. Get this. has nothing to do with your feelings, folks. It has nothing to do with your feelings. You have a reason to be thankful. There are going to be days where the weather is not going to be good and you're not going to feel thankful. 
That don't mean you don't need to act. Thank you. There's going to be some days where you're going to lose and the odds going to be against you. But I'm thankful, Lord, that you let me participate in the games. I'm thankful, Lord, just for the opportunity. I'm thankful, Lord, because you didn't give it to me. I believe that means you got something better for me. And I'm going to wait and see if that is the case. And so we got to practice thankfulness. Philippians 4 and 9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen into me, what? Put it into practice. How many sermons you done heard to this point? How many books have you read? Time to start practicing some of this stuff. You need to practice thankfulness in your workplace. You ought to be the happiest person in your workplace. Isn't it tragic when people don't even know Jesus are happier than you? Now wait a minute here. How could they be happier than you? They don't even have eternal life. They don't even have abundant life. And so again, just want to challenge us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Guess where it starts? True thankfulness. My prayer for myself and my prayer for you is that God will touch your heart. Get this, that he will give you a thankful spirit. And that your thankfulness cup would overflow. That you would be so thankful Get this, you got enough for you, and you got enough for others. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. At this time, I just want to quickly extend an invitation uh, to those who are online and to those of you who are in person. I said a lot of things, but you know where you're at. You know what you need. And the most obvious thing is that you can't trust in the Lord if you don't have a relationship with the Lord. And so that's a good place to start, right? If you don't know the Lord, if you haven't given your heart over to Jesus, today is a good time to do that, both online and in person. Tomorrow is not promised. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Revelation 3 and 20 says. If anyone would open up the door of their heart and let me in, I will come in and I will sup with you and your life would be different. Right? Salvation. Maybe some of you, again, online, in person, rededication. Maybe you've walked away from the Lord for a reason, one reason or another, and it's time to come back home. I hope you have figured out by now that only what you do for Christ will last.